The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Bermuda Championship and some golf played across the pond. we got a couple of very likable winners this week. Another pair of likable gentlemen joining <laughs> to break it all down. Greg Ducharme is here. Hello, Greg. What's going on, boys? Uh, quite a week and quite a week in golf. Two tournaments to break down today on the episode. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff indeed. Kyle Porter is here. Hello, Kyle. Yeah, some of the some of the Twitter folks would disagree about likable characters uh, between me and Greg, mostly me. But uh, I've been trying to get a Jimbo Fisher, Phil Mickelson joke off all morning, and finally fired it off. So uh, <clears throat> you can go go check check out Twitter for that. Work's done. Day's done. Yeah, I mean it, it was a, it was a classic. <laughs> you know, the ones that you love, where I do crossover, like never seen it before type stuff. Yeah, once I started. <clears throat> Once you and I, I think it might have been U.S. Open at Brookline, where okay. I, where where we sat in a in a media center together, <laughs> and I got a glimpse into your process. Um, <laughs> I have not viewed golf nor Twitter the same since, <laughs> and I now spend my life trying to connect golf things to pop culture or other sports or other whatever it might be uh because i feel like that's that's the that's the kyle porter tweet generator it, it is it's it's i'm sorry for that first of all it's <laughs> a, it's because you get lost in it right you, you'll you'll come up with something good every once in a while but you're mostly just wandering around in this abyss of just nonsense and that's what that's how like that's what my brain is like so i'm sorry for that i i the jumbo phil thing was like Okay, you know, two guys that took uh, nine figures off of some oil tycoons for mediocre performances. So I felt good about that. that that's that's pretty accurate. Um, the, the best ones are the ones that I don't even get. Right? <laughs> like there's like I'm like I I know all of these words. The order. I'm not sure about the context is way over my head. I'm either something history related or I, I, there are some that I truly do not get. Phil's one of my favorite subjects. So him being involved with with Jimbo being fired, 
today, which is crazy, right? $75 million. I mean, we're going to talk about golf in a second. That's wild. So I think I saw, Greg, the other thing, and I'm not as familiar with how this works in football or especially in college football, where so he's going to get paid $77 million to no longer coach, but there is <laughs> not there is not a clause in that contract where I guess sometimes, okay, coach leaves a college. If he goes and signs another deal for $20 million a year, a year, Texas A&M wouldn't have to pay that whole thing. They would pay the difference to essentially quote, make him whole or whatever that buyout is. I'm pretty sure he can go get another job, double dip, get all the money from A&M and also from his new gig. It, which is just uh, insane. And I guess it's a well-negotiated contract at the yeah. very beginning. I mean, think about how, if you want to get a coach like this, you have to uh, put that much, you have to put that all on the line. I mean, you, you really have to, because they're, they're going to go somewhere else if you don't. Uh, and then they do a poor job and here we are. And you're giving away $77 million. I, I think what's insane. And what's crazy, if you want to bring it back to golf, is I think Dustin Johnson has made the fourth most money in PGA Tour history, and it's like right at $75 million. I think the tour took it down, which is petty and silly. But I think he was right at like $75, $80 million. And you think about the value that you, you could plug me in as the AM head coach, and they would still make money hand over fist, right? Between the TV contract, all, all these different things. And just the value that you've brought is like, and this is where I un kind of understand why golf golfers would be frustrated. It's like, yeah, I'm not guaranteed anything. And right. it's like, well, that's, that's part of why it's great. But I also understand why you're frustrated when you've got Jimbo Fisher going, going seven and six and taking, taking home a hundred mil over whatever, 10 years. Yeah, in, in in golf, you're not really paid. Maybe in endorsements, but you're not really paid for what you've done in the past. And in football, Texas A&M, that program is paid for what they've done in the past. That's yeah. uh, you know in large part. That's why if you went in there, Kyle, as the offensive coordinator, I'm not ready to give you a head coaching job yet. Sure, well, uh, but you're in there as the OC. Break it in because of what they've done in the past. And Jimbo Fisher, with what he did at uh, at Florida State. He is able to earn a deal like that because of what he did. And yeah, it's wild. Maybe it he'll is, go to the cliques. Maybe uh, they're, you know, they're entering their free agent and trading period. So maybe, maybe coaches, maybe managers are, are a part of that, but we've got some golf to chat about. And while uh, many of us were, were probably sleeping, the Ned bank golf challenge did come to its conclusion in South Africa with a familiar name atop the leaderboard. That name, Max Homa, 66, 68, 69, and 66. Four rounds, sub 70 for Homa to capture a four-shot victory. His fourth worldwide win since 2022. Greg, we are getting much more comfortable seeing these photos right here of Max Homa holding up a trophy on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, he is so impressive. Um, and he's really evolved as a player. I, I remember... Kyle, I believe it was you a couple of years ago asking about his ceiling and um, what he could do in majors. And the thing to me that it was a big that really held him back was his short game. I didn't think it was really up to par, but now it is. And and now this week he had a great driving week and he was uh, very good with the flat stick, of course. But when I look at what Max Holma has done recently, really since July. 
I mean, he's been able to finish top 10 and lose strokes ball striking, you know, and, and that is a sign of a complete player. He can finish top 10 no matter what uh, he can win when he plays well. Uh, um, it, but it doesn't have to be complete. It's not like it all hinges on the putter the way it used to. He's got a lot of different weapons in the bag that can lead to a victory. And then, this has been well documented here on on this podcast. When he gets himself in contention, he is a awesome closer. He knows how to get the job done. And and this one today, uh, with what uh, Olson was doing, Thunder Bear, he was really putting a charge on him. And Max Holma stayed right with him, and then ran away at the end. Since mid July, the Scottish Open. Max Home has played seven events. He has not finished worse than T12 in any of those. Bunch of top tens, obviously, in the mix. Played well at the Ryder Cup. That's not even in- included in those seven starts. KP, um, a- another win for Homa. And, you know, to put this into perspective, the Ned Bank Golf Challenge field, in terms of strength of field from the OWGR, was better than that in Bermuda. Like, he went overseas and captured another one. Yeah, it, it's a good win. I, I think a couple of things stick out. One is the run that he's been on. Do you do you feel like it's been kind of quiet, Rick? Yeah, there, I mean, there's just been a lot of attention on everybody else, right? And and while and this is the first win of his since Tory, so it's not like he was piling up a bunch of victories in the short term. But he's played really phenomenal golf all summer long. Yeah, he he's been playing like a top, like you would expect a top ten player to play, and I think. The, the two things that stick out are one, you mentioned it earlier. I think you said since start of 2022, I went back start of 2021. The only four guys with more worldwide wins than Max Homa since January 1, 2021 are uh, Rom, Hoblin, who both have eight. Mm-hmm. You've got Rory and uh, Cam Smith, who both have seven. I'm counting Cam's uh, live victories because those are, I mean, this. The, if you want to argue about field strength, you could argue those live fields are better than equal to a Ned Bank challenge. So we'll throw those in there. And then Max Homa and Scotty Scheffler both have six. So that's the sort of company that he's keeping, which is, you know, it's 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 a weird juxtaposition. We talk about this with Patrick Cantley all the time where the major success hasn't been there, but Max Homa is a winner. I mean, Greg, you mentioned it. He's entered the final round since 2019. So what, like when he got his first PGA Tour win at Quail Hollow, He's entered the final round of an event inside the top three only nine times, which is, I mean, that's a good number, but it's not, it's not a crazy number. You know, he's not, he's not really in contention like every single week, but he's closed out six of those. So he's got a 66% (laughs) closing percentage out, like just from being in the top three going into the final round of an event. And, and those are two things that, you know, is he a great major champion yet? No, he, he hasn't really competed, but he is a winner. And we've seen that at the Ryder Cup. We've seen it over and over again uh, worldwide at, at these different events. The major championship record, Greg, uh, at least in 2023, and this might be part of the reason why, why Homa's year was kind of quiet. Uh, T43 at the Masters, T55 at the PGA Championship. He missed the cut at LACC, and he, he finished 10th uh, T10 at the Open Championship, which is now currently his best finish at a major. This has been a similar refrain for Max last two years. Awesome winner. And like we're seeing in the chat right now, do it in a major championship. Yeah, he's he starting to get to that point where it's, 
expected now. And I think, like Kyle, you mentioned this run being quiet. Uh, part of the reason it's quiet is it's not a surprise. Right. Part of it is he's not really right there in contention. You know, he's not, he, I wouldn't say any of these events he should have won. Um, and then the Ryder Cup wasn't, you know, that was quieted because they lost, mm -hmm. uh, even though he performed really well. But, but it's a sign that this is kind of the expected performance of Max Holman now. And it would probably make more noise when he either wins or when he finishes outside of the top 25 or 30. And people start wondering what's wrong. <laughs> but when it comes to majors, the difference between he and Cantlay, Patrick Cantlay was the number one amateur in the world. Cantlay had a lot of success early on once he really got going on the PGA Tour. Once the injuries were kind of settled, he had success right away. For Max Holma, it's taken a long time. And his viewpoint of his own game and his own abilities on the golf course, they don't really match what they actually are, which is a rare thing. I, I think Patrick Cantlay has always had plenty of confidence in his own game. Now, Max Homo still wonders if he belongs or not. And, and Majors is the next threshold. He's got to prove to himself that what, what he's been showing since July is who he really is as a player. And there should be no difference between that game and the game in major championships. And, and so it's like a mental hurdle to me that he's got to get over at this point. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the one thing, I, I don't know how to explain this in a way that's going to make sense, but sometimes I feel like um, you watch Homa and you watch him perform and, and, and he, he, even the stuff at the Ryder cup, it's like, man, mentally he is like nails. Like he's, he's like, he wants it. He he's up for it. And he just hasn't played his way into contention at majors. And then you watch Cantlay, not to come, I, I don't know that we need to compare the two, but you watch Cantlay and, and this is maybe unfair to him, but sometimes it just feels like he's just such a good ball striker that he's kind of just there at the end of some of these events. Like I think, I think Patrick Cantlay is objectively better at golf than Max Homa. And so it sounds weird that I would give Homa a better chance to win majors, but I think it just seems like, and my mind got changed on this a little bit with Cantlay at the Ryder cup. I think Cantlay showed some stuff there that he hadn't showed before, but I think mentally Homa is up for it. He just hasn't really been in the position to do so. And he might be one of those guys, Greg, that he's only in contention at like seven majors and maybe he wins two of them or, you know, something that's kind of silly like that um, just because of, of, of the way it breaks. Well, I mean, would you be shocked if he had a uh, Padre Carrington kind of two year stretch? If next year at 24 and 25, he won three majors, would you be shocked? I'd be surprised. Uh, I think there would be a lot of luck involved with that. I think Podrick won those at a time where Tiger dipped and there wasn't the the top level that there is right now. They, obviously, the players were very good, but it wasn't like Rom, Rory, yeah. Scheffler good, you know? Um, so I think... I would be surprised only in the sense that that would be to me a little, there would have to be some luck involved with him doing that. Patrick Cantlay's played twice as many major championship rounds as Max Homa has. Max Homa is a small loser in majors, 
0.09 to the negative, a tenth of a stroke to the negative. Patrick Cantlay gaining 1.2 strokes per round in major championships, so a very significant gap. That's that's interesting. That surprises me. Yeah, I mean, Homa, especially like his – I mean, he missed the cut in – uh, I mean, was seven of his first eight majors. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that surprised me because he was bad early, right? Yeah. So and since, since hasn't been 2020. Yeah, it's really not that much closer. Yeah, I mean, it's Cantlay's it, just Cantlay's just lapping him here. He he's been racking up some top 15s. It's a bunch Cantlay. of top 15s. Yeah. No, yeah. they're not yellow squares. So they don't <laughs> jump off the wiki page. <laughs> Where are we the need, yellow? We, I need I need some color on this page. Yeah, we need like a pink square for top twenties or something. <laughs> I actually thought I thought they would do that at some point. Um, they have not. Uh, other quick quickly, and we're going to move on here. Justin Thomas uh, was also on the first page of the leaderboard. He finished solo fourth, which was a 72, 66, 72, 66, which is an absolute microcosm KP of, of Justin Thomas's season. Uh, but is this positive signs going into 2024? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's positive because he's not missing cuts, you know, I, and that sounds ridiculous to say about somebody that I think is kind of generationally good, but it was so bad in, in 2023. I mean, you, you look at the majors. Um, I think that, <clears throat> I think that JT is somebody where it's like, okay, people expect him just to, to flip the switch. And I don't know that that's how this is going to go. I think it's going to be a six, eight, 10, 12 month process. And I think he's committed to that obviously. Um, but I think it's, it's going to be a while before he's doing what Max Homa is doing right now consistently. Quickly, Greg, anything on Justin Thomas? And we'll take a break and talk Bermuda. I think he's back. Ooh. Really? Yeah. Now, I, I'm look, I'm not saying he's going to be the best player in the world, um, but I, I'm starting to see Justin Thomas play the way he used to. So I, I think he's kind of back to base camp. And from this point on, he can go in the right direction. I, I think he's out of the woods. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Ba um, base camp is is very high, right? It, yes, it's very high. You know, oh, the last base, base camp, camp at Everest, yeah. right? Yeah, it's it's the altitude is thin. Yes, uh, but you see him in these rounds of seventy two, hitting it in the woods sometimes, right? He's hitting in in these precarious situations, and he does that. When he's playing really well. And, and um, so could that get better? Yes, but it could have been better throughout his entire career. But I don't see a guy now that's that's lost, that's searching for it. He's finishing in these tournaments in a place where he should. And it's not his best week, but it's that really high base camp. So I, I like what I'm seeing out of JT. JT, solo fourth, Max Homa wins in South Africa. We are going to turn our attention to Bermuda, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym, and Viore has threaded that 
needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. Bermuda Championship in the books with a winner who has not captured victory in over 3,000 days, but he pulled it out. Camilo Vijegas, thanks to a bogey-free 6-under-65, he gets the job done at Port Royal. KP, uh, this is parlaying great play last week in Cabo, where he had a close call. This time, he gets across the finish line. Yeah, it was... It was awesome. And, you know, I watched the, the end of this and it was, he was hitting some extraordinary shot. He was trying some extraordinary shots in a very, uh, you know, high pressure situation in, in terms of winning. And, uh, you know, he talked about it afterwards, how mentally he's in a, in a really good place in terms of his golf. And I think it showed because he didn't look like somebody that was fearful of missing in one direction or the other. And that was really impressive. And, you know, obviously his story, I thought he had a great quote afterwards. I've got it. uh, I think I've got it here. I wrote it down. Uh, He said, I love this game. This game has given me so many great things, but in the process, it kicks your butt. Uh, Life has also given me so many great things. And in the process, it kicks my butt. And I thought that was a really uh, just poignant and, um, it, it was a, it was a cool reflection. Obviously people know his story about his two-year-old daughter, uh, dying back in 2020. And, um, there, there's just, you know, that's an unspeakable thing. And he and his wife 
lived through it. And I, I, I like that sometimes I think guys um, c- try to like almost um, p- put uh, like tack golf onto life. And he, for him, it seems like hmm. they're very connected. Like they're like, he sees the ups and downs of each as being like in um, like, in rhythm with one another. And that's a, that to me is somebody who loves golf, but also appreciates life. And I really enjoyed, or I really thought a lot of the way that he sort of articulated that after his win. Yeah, that was interesting. And he, he discussed, uh, certainly being a better, in a better headspace. He's been working with a, with a mental coach and maybe that stuff is, is being is much more clear for him now and what i thought was most impressive uh, on the golf course greg is he he did hit some shots in response to alex norin trying to chase him down maddie schmid trying to chase him down i'm thinking of um i think it was on 15 where he started 15 or 16 where he stuffed one close in there after both those guys had it surrounded i, I mean he he answered the bell when asked coming down the stretch 15 was the one where he hit the flag yeah. okay yeah wrapped yeah, it up in the flag, which it was so cool because uh, they both made birdie there and, and obviously so did he. So that was really important. Uh, it also could have been very unlucky uh, and maybe it was unlucky. I mean, you hit your target. It does. It's a crazy thing about the game of golf hitting the flag or the flag stick is crazy because it could do anything <laughs> and you hit your, you hit one of your best shots of the day. So that was, um, that was awesome. But looking at this card, he handled three, four, and five, which were kind of middle of the road to the easier side in difficulty. Seven was the easiest hole on the course. 15 was, I believe, the 16th easiest hole on the course. And 17 was the 17th e- easiest hole on the course. So he, he didn't make any mistakes, and he took advantage of the holes he needed to take advantage of. Uh, and that ended up being enough to win. But the way he avoided the mistakes was one, he was really solid off the tee. Um, like Kyle said, he wasn't fearing a miss one way or the other. And into the greens, he w- he had a really dialed in low wedge shot. I mean, he gave himself a lot of really good looks and could have shot at least a couple shots better in today's round uh, on the on the back nine alone. So this was this is a guy that's in control of his game, which other than last week is out of nowhere. Well, that's what I was going to say, Greg. I, I I'd like for you to expand on this because you probably have more uh, insight on it. But it seems crazy that at this stage, how old is he? How old is is Camellia? He is forty one. It seems crazy to go from thirty three to forty one and kind of pop up again this this late right like isn't that's a that's an an unusual sort of path i guess we had uh well we i feel like a couple years ago we had a few nine-year droughts broken maybe charles howell the third ches reevee ches reevee sherry i don't know why i know that um harris english had a long drought although i don't think it was quite nine years maybe he's younger though yeah, young, younger. But that 33 to 4, I mean 33 to 39, that used to be where all the Ryder Cup guys were. They were all that age. Yeah. But it's kind of shifted. 
And in Camillo's, when he first got out on tour uh, to now, it's really shifted to the the young guys taking the reins. It, he's one of them where he was had an amazing career early on in the 20s, uh, in his 20s, and then all of a sudden things slow down. Uh, but he keeps fighting, and this is nine years of getting your butt kicked. Rick and I were talking about this before the show. I mean, he was so cool, a fan favorite. He's rocking the pop collar. Uh, he's he's ripped. His veins are bursting out like uh, like some other kind of athlete. He's reading greens with the spider. He lashes at the ball, and all of a sudden he disappears completely disappears and now uh, he's he's come back so it just shows you that they're still putting in the work we, we don't see guys up near yeah. the top of leaderboards all the time they're still trying to figure it out and grinding and by the way their game isn't gone i mean if you're shooting 71 72 70 high 60s low 70s on the pga tour you get run over but that doesn't mean that you know your game's in shambles it's just not quite tight enough. And and something in these last two weeks has really clicked where he's turning pars into birdies, making fewer mistakes. All of a sudden, a couple putts go in. The wedges end up at 12 feet instead of 18 feet, and a couple more putts go in. It just, it's gotten tight in the right direction, and he's been really good under the heat too, which, which is a sign of that mental work. Uh, Paul in the chat, uh, also reminds us that Stuart Sink broke a, a nine-year uh, mm. drought. Ah, yes. Good call. Recently. The okay, here it is. I've got the uh, official record: longest time between wins. I'll tell you, uh, Lucas Glover, right? Nope. Oh, oh, he's another one though. He's another one. That's a good one. Yeah, Very I'll tell recent. you. Fifteen years and six months. Whew. Yeah. If you guys get this, I'll give you a billion dollars. Lucas didn't, he didn't win early. No. He just won for the first time last year, right? He won Tory and then he won. Yeah. Tory two years ago, I think. Was it, was it, uh, was it in the last like 20 years? Uh, the second win was in the last 20 years, just, just inside. The second win was. So the first one was like 35 years ago. Oh, I have no, yeah. no shot. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is just not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Robert Gamez won the 19. 19- Sony. He won 1990. 19- API. Okay. He won the 1990 Nestle Invitational, which I don't know what the name of that is now. I'll have to look it up. Hmm. And then he won the 05 Valero Texas Open. Should we just keep guessing? <laughs> I thought who who was it that hold out to win Sony, Greg? Uh hold out to win at Sony. When? Oh, this is a while ago. Yeah, that's a very broad question. Was it uh um a, a player from Japan? Okay. Um Nestle was the that that's now the API. Okay, that, so this is I. You're right, Greg. I was thinking he hold out to win the 1990 API on the final hole, which was it, that shot was crazy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It wasn't Sony. That oh, was crazy. I, see it, yeah. I think it was from the rough. I'm gonna watch. It, it had a ton of spin on it with like a five on it. 
I'm watching it on YouTube right now. Great. Right. Give it, us the play-by-play. It, play. it zips into uh, the hole. It, it, it is from the fairway. So here we go. There's impact. Big divot. He doesn't seem to particularly enjoy the shot. Lands one hop, two. Oh, it, yeah. It zips left and basically drops in on its third hop. Like it didn't roll in. It was like bounce, bounce, left 18 inches and straight down. <laughs> That's... Had, that, that ball had some action on it. Yeah, you know who he so you know who he beat? Greg Norman. Yeah, Greg Norman. Sure. Sure. It, he just get the guy just gets people just chip in against him. Pull <laughs> it. It is uh, unbelievable. Uh the rest of this leaderboard, pretty eclectic. We've got uh Vijegas, Colombia, right? Norin from Sweden, Maddie Schmidt from Germany, Germany, Denmark, Germany, Carl Yuan. China, uh, Adam Scott, Australia. We don't get our first American until uh, a tie for fifth in Ryan Moore. KP, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of connect this a little bit to our, our next segment, but we'll talk about kind of the rest of the leaderboard here. You you get nothing for this, but I uh, except oh. a hat tip from me. I know your two outright selections were the guys who finished second and third: Alex Norin, <laughs> Maddie Schmidt, <laughs> which is so sick. I need the 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 uh what's the horse racing thing where you can do like the exact or the like tri- a box like a yeah. box yeah a box. I needed I needed that uh yeah Norn I I thought it was interesting Michael Kim who's obviously very active on Twitter had a thing about I don't know if you guys saw this but and this is not breaking news but he said that uh, that Alex Norn is like by far the hardest worker on the tour. Did you guys see? Did you see this? Yeah, I did. Did you see I, who I he said is? Okay, let's let's see if Rick can guess who he said is second. So he God. said it's it's Lucas Alex Norton. No, it's Alex Norton first. Somebody else second. I think he said a couple of Koreans, but not all of them third. <laughs> uh, the then, the Korean players. I thought he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's then, extremely general. And then everybody else was fourth. <laughs> is this guy? Um, He's like somebody on tour now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. He's a top 20 player. Oh, really? Yeah. Rory. No, he's also a top one player. Scotty. Yes. Really? Wow. Yeah. Tony Romo. Oh, Tony Romo. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. I got the sense he's he's down in Texas. Yeah. Michael Kim's Uh, guy, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, because there's a lot of I think there's a lot of Korean players. I mean, obviously like Tom Kim and um yeah, I think I think yeah, that makes sense because those guys play like Merido and um different places around here quite a bit. But yeah, anyway, I thought this was an interesting look. I think Michael Kim provides some really cool insight like this a lot of times. And um, you know, Norin is is obviously somebody that I actually went to school with. I think we were at Oklahoma State at the same time. And and he's never been somebody that he's not a mega talent. He's not a wonderkin. He's not a freak. Uh, but he's just grinded his way to having a great, you know, 15, 18, 20 year career as a professional golfer. So uh, the Camillo story was great. And I think everybody was rooting for that. But I think uh, Norin winning would have been not as cool, but I, I I would have enjoyed it. I thought it would have been great. Anything um, else off this leaderboard at you, Greg? Yeah, well, just on on the Norin thing, the thing about him with his effort is it almost makes it look like he's struggling. You know, like 
there are some guys where like for Tiger Woods, for instance, in his heyday would walk to the range before a tournament and go through a routine like he knew exactly what he was doing. Nothing was surprising. There was nothing. Now, there were some times when he needed to he was working hard on things, on specific moves. And usually that led to more struggles on the course and what he was really clicking. There was no unnecessary rehearsals, nothing like that. And Norin has such an exaggerated practice swing and move. It makes it seem like he's struggling. Like it's what is, hard. What is he doing? Like when he does that, like almost like he's getting like super steep on it. Yeah. Um, well, it does get, he is steep. He takes some big divots. But it gets the club out in front of him. See, if the club's coming too much from the inside uh, for a right-handed player, if the swing path is going too much to the right, you have to add a left. So basically, if you look at the path of the club and the face, you need a you need them to oppose in order to play successfully. So if the path's going way to the right, you got to get the face to go to the left. Gotcha. And that's the term flippy or the term trapped. And that's what tour players do not want. A slicer may want to learn that activity, but it's very hard to predict. So when the pass starts going left, the face can be to the right, which means you don't have to close it in the downswing. And that creates a really consistent um, club face through the strike. So you get really consistent misses, but he's got to work really hard to get the club on top of it so he can get a left path. But I do believe that that concept is why so many of the top players fade the ball, especially off the tee, because they want a quiet face. And a fade is a much quieter club face than a, than a draw. Uh, real quick, you weren't on on Tuesday, Greg, but I got fitted by your boys at Titleist. There you go. And the degree to which, like, the like how steep I was, was, was extraordinary. Like, I, I didn't realize I was doing this. It was just how I was swinging. And my club face with driver at impact was almost neutral. Oh, wow. Because of how steep I was. How steep was it? You know, you remember the number? Uh, no, I think I, I want to say like five or six degrees, seven degrees. Yeah, that's steep with the driver. It was rule it was, of thumb is if you're hitting down on it with a seven iron, seven degrees down is fine. Yeah. Uh, with a four iron, four degrees down is fine as the club gets longer it should get shallower naturally but and yeah, mine mine stay yeah my even like my three four five irons stayed really steep so they had to fit me into yeah it was it was like a such an interesting process and i've learned obviously so much from you and mark but even going through that process you're like oh i'm i I don't, I don't know anything about golf, like compared to these <laughs> Rick and I are over here, like yeah. all the strokes game stuff, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, so it was just, it was, a, it was an interesting process. That's great. I'm, I, that will help you. I, I, I love the idea that they can just fit golf. Like they can take anybody and just be like, okay, well, here are the problems that you have. I'm going to give you something that can, well, it made it, me at feel, least mitigate. Yeah. It made me feel like, oh, well, it, it, it's been the club's fault the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Um, uh, real quick, Alex Noren used to have, and I think he still does. And for years, he had like his. There's a stat called left rough tendency, which is how often you hit it into the left rough, and he just like never did it because he's got that like 
rehearsal where he, everything goes left to right. He just he never hits it in the left hand rough. Right rough's a different story, but he never hits it in the left hand rough. Interesting. Sure. It's a good way to play. Yeah. One way miss. Okay. Um, we are going to talk about a few more golfers in terms of our best bets and recap how we did. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Our best bets, of course, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more in KP. I alluded to it. You had yourself a great week, a winner with Adam Scott over Lucas Glover, a winner with Luke List inside the top 20. Your two outrights finished <laughs> second and third. But th this is this is you uh, peppering the board. A lot, of, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I'm hot in the fall. I need to keep it up for the for the spring. Luke List was barely in the top 20. He finished T, T20. Uh, I, I, I felt good about fading Glover. I didn't know that. I mean, Adam Scott finished what T six or T five or I, something. T five. Yeah, Glover finished T forty five, which is what I not wanted, but what I was like sort of betting on there. I didn't realize Adam Scott was going to have such a great week. So yeah, no, it's a good week. My best bet didn't hit, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, God, the two outrights that's that's tough. Uh, I had Vince Whaley over Brandon Wu. That was correct. Mark got Camilo Vijegas top 30 at plus 190. Obviously, Greg, he did a lot better than that. I was not in on Camilo this week. I saw a guy, and we talked about it a little bit, a lot of miscuts, a lot of poor play. Last week looked like an outlier to me. I was wrong. Uh, I was wrong, too. And we talked about it on Monday. The other, and I'm thrilled, by the way. Uh, as I'm wearing my pop collar in honor of Camilo, I, I did not expect this to be another hot week. Part of it is Cabo is so different than this golf course. Right. I mean, I, I know that you have a lot of room off the tee in Bermuda as well, but the shots that you need in those conditions are totally different. Yeah, so it's it's really it's really cool. But uh, I was out on it, too. I, I'm glad Mark was or was in on it. Our best bets were. Pretty darn good. Three out of four in green. The only one we got wrong, KP, Nick Dunlap. Top 20. What happened to the what happened to the youngster? He missed the cut. He shot, I think, 68, 71, uh, which was was disappointing. But uh yeah, I mean, look, we're we're kind of rolling right now as a group, which I love. You love to see this. Yeah, we are uh <laughs> that is a lot of black on the screen. We usually see in the standings a lot of red. So this is this is nice. This we should we should do this more often. <laughs> uh, it it should be this? a thing. I think this is overall. So I think what we were looking at before was best bets. 
Okay. Does this include this. best bets or this does not include best bets? I don't know. Josh will have to tell us. Is this everything? Okay. So this is, yes, this is, this is everything. This is our matchups, our finishing positions, our outrights, and our best bets is what you're looking at right now on the screen. Okay. I mean, look at uh, those win. Don't look at mine, but look, KP, 37 and a half win percentage. Yeah, me and Rick are dialed. Rick I think I, I think it's a function of numbers. I think it's like Rick. The less time I spend on it, the better I do. Seriously, honestly, that's probably true. Like if I just handed a toddler <laughs> ten matchups and said like circle one side of these, I like that's got just a, just as much of a chance as, as like me doing the running the numbers and stuff. Because in the spring, I'll get like so steep on. I'll be I'll be like way in the weeds, and it it was just disaster. And this week I was like, ah, I like these guys are playing pretty well. And right. here we are. Here we are. All right. Well, go, go back. Okay. Here we go. Thank you, Josh. Um, I think this is now three weeks in a row that Patrick's positivity parlay has cashed. It was Ben Griffin, Taylor Pendrith, Alex Noren to all make the cut. They did. He is rocking and rolling there. Mark, as mentioned, Vijegas top 40. I had MJ Duffy to miss the cut plus 175. No problem there. So three out of four. On the best ball, on the best bets, uh, really pad the numbers. Looks good. It's great. Anything else, gents? We have an interesting week next week. It's going to be RSM Classic, the final event of the FedEx Cup fall. Um, our recording times or our live times are a little bit different. We're going a little bit earlier on Monday for the DFS preview. We're going early on Tuesday. That is because Patrick and I will be at the win for the Netflix cup. Uh, and then this will be the last like official event of the fall. We'll have some other stuff on the Euro tour. We'll have the co-ed event. We'll have the hero world challenge, but this will be the final like full on PGA tour. Event. I can't believe it's uh, the falls uh, over already. I kind of agree with that. It, it, it's gone. Uh, the whole season I feel like has been long, but the fall is it's gone fairly quickly. Um, I'll actually be in Mexico on vacation next weekend. So whoop, 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 whoop. nice. Peace out. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Netflix cup. I think I'm, I'm jealous that you guys get to go. I think that'll be super fun for you guys to hang out, spend some time together. But I also am excited to, to, um, experience it as a, uh, as a digital product. Like I, I think that part is going to be really interesting to view it on, on, uh, on my television. I've never met Patrick in person. I haven't Have you met Patrick. No. Does he exist? Is he is he a real person? Is he a real boy? You're going to find out unless this flight gets canceled. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine? And we're all just get, I, like that would make me think we're all getting catfished about this. <laughs> for sure. Wow. Some AI. He's it's some bot. CBS AI generated project. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, I'm looking forward to it. He's a very interesting guy. I think there's a lot of layers to Patrick that I'm looking forward to kind of peeling back and learning and learning more about. Yeah, I he, think if he's real, it's going to be a blast. <laughs> well, he doesn't. The thing that I love about Patrick is that he doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah. And it's a great quality. I, I don't know that I, I, I definitely know that I did not have that at his age. And it makes him very um, like, you just you want to you want to know more. You want to be around him. You want you want more from him, which I think is great. Yeah, he's very likable. Okay, uh, well, 
Keep an eye out for YouTube. Josh will uh, make those rooms at the correct times, but a little bit earlier on Monday, a little bit earlier on Tuesday, and then, of course, the Sunday recap should be you know when that final putt drops at the RSM Classic. Big thanks to producer Josh. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme, available online at The Real GFD. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.